Oh, this, good morning, good morning, good morning. Today is January 14th. We're in the middle of January 2021 with all kinds of things happening all over America, mostly race baiting. And, you know, to come down off of Black Lives Matter movement to go to watch what happened at our capital, United States, Washington, D.C. It was hard to believe. It was hard to see. It was hard to fathom, to understand that there were people that were protesting, but they wanted to protest the government in which they live. This is America. America, we live in America. In America, the home of the free land of the brave, what shall we say? We really need to just kind of understand that what we're really talking about is our freedom as Americans and how we participate in the governance structure of America. And what have you done in regards to establishing the citizenship and your citizenship responsibilities for where you live, for you, where you were born? The reality is, is that each one of us, regardless of the color of our skin, have a responsibility. It tends to get very personal when people look at you and wonder what you're doing if you've never done anything at all. And believe me, there are people that live their whole lives and never even show up or participate in any public meetings. And that's just a real thing. So what are we really saying here? I'm trying to understand what the expectation of being born in America and what does that look like for African Americans or formerly enslaved folks, you know, the Negro people, because the Negro people have had little or limited representation when it comes to public services as, you know, there were always opportunities that were manifested or created for those people. And those people really kind of like never appreciated it as far as some people in America would say. And then what they did and how they actually aligned the public services that happened for all of our people as, you know, it all is based on your level of engagement. So when people who look like you (coughs) are caught up in self-advocacy, they're making things happen. And believe me, I understand making things happen and what that looks like. Because I had to make things happen for my children. And I don't even really believe that they understand the level of making it happen and how it happened for them. But maybe they do now. Truly, as they can look and see their friends and perhaps where their friends have not had the ability to make it happen. Because I'm just here to say that if you don't learn how to read and write, or you cannot follow basic instructions, then you do not have the skill level to make it happen in America. And that's just the truth. We all just need to understand that as American citizens, our personal responsibility to self and community is to self and community. Sure, we elect elected officials to represent us, and represent our nation in the nation's interest. But locally, we also represent people who are representing our interests. But if you are a person of color, 
and you cannot see the benefit or the maintenance of effort for the people who look like you in America in 2021? (laughs) Well, then I'll say that perhaps you really don't understand the responsibility it takes to demand oversight and public outcomes from the investment because we all pay taxes. So, you know, let's get away from what America did in the days of slavery because I could never imagine. And I know one thing, I would have never made it as a slave in America as I am (laughs) willfully defiant or defiant or unable to be managed as they say, because some people really believe that certain children, they're not there in school to learn, they're in school to be managed. Our public education system has just turned into an early prison system as our children are learning about calisthenics and not about algebra. Why are our children required to go to school if the districts and the local communities are not holding themselves accountable to the maintenance of effort or the outcomes. You all just need to understand that there is a process established for uh, public education and accountability. In California, it's called the Single Plan for Student Achievement, how they look at the resources and ensure that you know the process happens. So it says, suggest resources for the development of a single plan for student achievement. So on the top role, it has a local educational agency, LEA. Then it has the SPSA, that's a single plan for student achievement development. That would be, you know, I'm gonna pause this recording. Exactly who's not reading. And when they move to the seventh grade, we understand that too. But the ninth grade tells the truth, straight Fs. And we don't have an accountability clause somewhere that's going to hold teachers accountable to ensure that the ninth graders are getting, are learning. It's, it's all about learning. And so Yapen was here, but you know, they didn't talk about where they got those kids when they got when they got them in. They didn't say about how low they were and how they brought them up. And so we really don't even communicate from site to site, from the sixth grade to the seventh grade. And then what about all those kids in the seventh grade that are just there, still at third grade level by the time they enter the ninth grade? You don't work. I work with families whose children are in the third grade reading level in the eleventh grade. And so F is reality. What are we talking about? They need more money? Money's not going to change what's going on. Money didn't change when I sat at the table and I had an expectation for my son and I told the teacher and she decided not to come back. That wasn't a money issue. That was an issue that she couldn't stand where I was coming from, but I had an expectation for my son. And he met those expectations. And so the critical point is, is that if you think money's going to cure this, you're wrong. The expectation that Jim Sweeney had was everybody's going to do the work. And if you don't like it, there's other places you can work. And he didn't. And what he did do is he created environments where people were safe, like Leonardo da Vinci and Community Basic, where people get to fight over all those wonderful resources over there. And the rest of the kids just go to whatever. 
African-American community has the highest infant death mortality rate in the state of California. That is not in Richmond. That is not in Los Angeles. It's right here in Sacramento, the capital. So the statement to African-American people is that prison is an option for you from kinder on up. And so I live in the real world. And the real world says, if my son is going to be enrolled in your school district, you're going to give him something. And that's where every parent should be, white, black, or any other color. And so I would hope that this negotiation is not about the money, not about the retirement, not about the summer vacations, and not about the health insurance, but it's about the children and who can work with them. Thank you. Thank you, Darlene. works but you know I've lived in the south area for a long time and when they chose to close Freeport Elementary School I thought well Edward Kimball and Susan Chavez really have a lot of students a lot of students at times and the impact on the K3 and the impact on the 4-6 is a real issue because of the number of kids who are in that environment and they're all poverty kids but they closed Freeport now Freeport had mostly bilingual students at one time, and there was just a, such a small number of students when they closed it. But now you're moving the buildings from Freeport. And you know, when we went to schools by area, we went to school by area so that by area, community members could come up and speak their concerns. I wondered what was going on with Freeport. But to understand that they took the buildings and took them over there to the more affluent area, really disturbing to me because they have not done work over there at Edward Kimball and Cesar Chavez. And that scope of how they educate those children has not changed. And the failure rate coming out of that area has not changed. And so it's really kind of infuriating to me to be living in that area and paying taxes to understand that they would take a building and move it to a more affluent area where people have money and people come out and advocate for their children. When they don't come out and out, you don't see people in here from Edward Kimball and Cesar Chavez. You really don't. But the failure rate is atrocious. The failure rate for minority kids and children of color in this district is frightening because we're only building the prison population. And I come all the time so I can say, board members, can you look and see how we can achieve some equity and how all children can access resources and kids can come to school and be happy? You know, I made happiness for my children, but it was a struggle. They wonder how come I was always coming to beat up on the district, but I really wasn't. I was coming to ensure that they would have an opportunity in life. Now, it would seem to me that the board would take that responsibility and choose to advocate for children who are not doing well in this district. But that doesn't seem to change the more I come. The more I come is the more defensive the district gets. And all I'm saying is, is that when the larger numbers start to appear, and African-American and children of color, Hispanics and other children of color are not doing well. What will this district actually choose to do? Continue to work on the buildings. And so I'm saying that when you start to think through things, understand how people will actually see them. And I see it as an horrendous thing to take a building where children could have gone to school, where you could have redrew the boundaries and, and provided more equitable services when we have schools that have less than 300 kids and schools that have 1,200. Thank you. Thank you. Member Rodriguez. 
Good night. Good afternoon. Not quite afternoon yet, but by the time it, I share my podcast, it will be afternoon. This is Darlene Anderson welcoming you to another half an hour of my parent or yeah, parent empowerment hour. I call it parent empowerment hour because of I was a parent and I understand the importance of parenting. And I also understand the importance of understanding that public schools in our communities have really failed African-American children, but not only African-American children, perhaps we can say they failed a lot of children. But for African-American children who came into the program later, you know, early in the system, not as early in the system and not when public schools were even thought about organizing and how we fund our public schools and how we fund our public services really go to what the expectation should be in providing services to all people in America, just as we do not require you to be a citizen to receive services in America. And children have a right to all public services. So therefore, we count our people by using the census and we provide those services to the people locally. And because we put tax dollars back in states and help states support their people by, you know, and they and they do things within their state county revenue, city revenue, you know, it just depends. We have a a vast nation and we have different contracts that we support that are building and provide jobs. And, you know, when you really start thinking about it, it's just a huge network of, uh, it's America and it's how we are as a nation and the importance of understanding the power and ensuring that people who live within your local community have the same access as you do and that we're supporting all families and that this be the mission of America versus creating the nation that the path we were on was a prison nation and how can we continue to not educate people and expect them to do better no it's just unacceptable so as we know better we should do better and as we can see that doing nothing when dysfunction is happening only leads to more chaos as we all witness on January 6, 2021 when we were supposed to be counting and transitioning America to our new president that our past president who never should have been in the White House did the same things that he tried to do that worked for him before when he got in the White House see he was he was wrong in thinking that it worked last time and it'll work again And he was wrong in thinking that he could persuade most of Americans to vote for him as he was running through the country talking about what he had done for African-Americans and he forgot that African-Americans have been brutalized in America. And under his watch, we've been allowed to be murdered in plain view. And we are still citizens. We are real Americans. We are more Americans. We are Americans. We are the first American citizens. And I can say, I am tired of seeing young African-American males being murdered under the authority of the code of honor. No, no, no. Enough is enough. We have a better nation and we should have people who need mental health services receive those mental health services. Understand that public education is just a modified behavior. And if we're working on modifications of behavior, we need to measure the maintenance of effort and how well we're doing. Not just in one city, but every city. And as you know, we we operate under a republic. 
just let me explain to you how the republic works, shall I? A republic is a network of states and agencies that provide public services to the people who live here in America. And as we are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all, know that we're talking about justice for all and not justice just for us. Because you are afraid and we've dealt with so many things this year. Oh, the Becky calls. Go Becky. Okay. Who, uh, who could complain about fear and how it used to work. You know, how they did. All of the continuous thought about how black people have no power. Black people really do have power, just as everyday Americans, just as immigrants who come here and become citizens. We all have power now. We all operate under the same rules. And it's unfortunate that some of the things and some of the tricks that used to work were still working. So as Americans, we all need to roll our sleeves up and get together. As it is just going to be unacceptable to continue down this behavior because we see what happened. I mean, we almost destroyed the whole nation. We all knew it was coming. Four years of Donald Trump saying that he's here to break America. And nobody said nothing. And then he started breaking things, changing things, taking away responsible people and putting irresponsible people in places of responsibility. And you can see he made friends with all of the dictators and went to visit them. You know, Putin, you know, Kim Jong-un, you know. I mean, you know, come on now. Really, where are we going in this nation? When we have children living on the street and families living on the street and senior citizens living on the street and we have no process created or thought about or talked about to ensure that we have the ability to provide access to public services for all people. So the reality is that we must rethink this game. And the honest explanation that I can tell you, I mean, you know, from my perspective is that I cannot teach somebody who's sitting in position to create a pathway on how actually, actually happens. But I can talk to people and perhaps we can come together and talk about measuring the maintenance of effort and talking about the benefit of what we're doing and talking about if it's working and if it's not working, changing things. But no, we're never going to make it work by keeping things in place and pretending that these people have been doing it for a long time and therefore they're just entitled. No, because if they're not making it work, then they need to go. And that's the basic, that's the basic understanding of being an American citizen. See, this is the basic understanding that understanding how special education actually works because people don't get to continue to provide services to you or your child if they're not making a difference for you or your child. The most important thing that you can understand is that you have a right to have an evaluation to determine if that is the type of support that your child actually needs. And if it's not, then you have a right to talk about how and perhaps how things can change for the benefit of your child. You just don't understand how much power you actually have and failure is just not an option and has never been an option. So perhaps we can meet 
because none of the states were actually applied, you know, who, I don't believe anybody really applied for the waiver for special education. And I don't think that people actually understand this waiver process just because they were using the waiver and what waiver did they actually apply for? I think here in Nevada, they only applied for the food stamp waiver. That was good enough for them to continue to get the money for the kids in poverty. They didn't apply for the education waiver because I don't see any data. And what I realize is that when I start looking at their end data, when I start looking at their 2024 plans and the data that they provided to the federal government, well, they just had empty columns. I mean, tons of empty columns and they're still getting the money. And I said, how is this? How does this continue to happen? And then I tried to talk to familiar people, people who I think should understand how public education works and I can't get any answers. So therefore, you know, the most important thing is to create a tool in which you can gather like-minded people to talk about. Perhaps you can message me because I can't message myself in any of these podcasts. And if you have questions, perhaps I can provide an answer or tell you what I have experienced because life is about experience and public education is about experience and measuring and tools and monitoring and benefiting and growing and developing. And what are we talking about? America. America was always measuring and monitoring and growing and developing. But then we started hiding and pretending and putting people in jail and killing people because they didn't have the same level of intelligence, basically, and making it all right that someone would kill a disabled person and making it all right that someone could shoot a man several times in the back, a human seven times in the back and have and say that they feared for their life. Where was the fear going on and how could I don't care what he had a knife if there were several officers with guns, with bullets. And why would the necessary shooting him in the back in front of his three children when we had the two black officers in Texas, something happened and they was chasing this white boy. <laughs> and I can honestly tell you, his son was killed while they were chasing him. And them motherfuckers, ooh, Lord help me went to jail and that's real. It didn't matter that they were law enforcement agents. So what can we say? What should we say? Need to watch the curse words. Yes, but need to understand that we all have an obligation being born on this soil, that we have an obligation that we're not feeding the prison system because this is continual dysfunction because the maintenance of effort that goes with prison rehabilitation. There's no information about how many people were transitioned out of that behavior. I mean, you need to help me when it comes to prison reform, America reform. Why do we need to reform? Do you realize that most of the people that came to America initially were the criminals that came from England that established, you know, they left England because they couldn't live the way they wanted to live. And they came here. 
Well, guess what happened to the people who were already here? Because, you know, Christopher Columbus didn't discover America. No, there were people already here. How can you discover what was already here? You can't discover something that was already discovered. But it, in my lifetime, you can discover whatever you want to discover because it just makes a difference who is in charge and who is talking about the game and who is running the show. And understand me when I say reality begs to differ. We all have an obligation to the society in which we live. And pimping ain't easy, but somebody has to do it. And I can say you have to, as an American citizen, you have an obligation. You just have an obligation to look around and where you live. And so what, you live in a nice neighborhood. But if all the children over there in the school that are going to the school are only the children who have money and everything is wonderful where you live and you have no obligation to the other parts of town, well, it's the same money that's running all of those dysfunctional programs. It's the same reality. It's the same America that's running the successful program and the same America that's running the failed program. And if we have prisons and they feel that they have to pepper spray those children up there in the in the juvenile facility, how wild is that? Would you want to be pepper sprayed as an American citizen because you live in a facility? And did you know that they only they they take children as young as eight years old in the juvenile facility. If you don't believe me, just look at the Nevada legislative rules and how they wrote that stuff. And they operate only by Nevada ledge. They don't operate by the federal government here. So, I mean, they don't have any board policies in the last, they haven't had any board policies I've seen that in the last four or five years that were approved by the governing board. And they have board meetings, but they only approve what do they approve contracts? They gave money to a uh, to a charter school that was a not prof not for profit charter school, and it wasn't a school that was serving children in poverty. And they were talking about in the board meeting that they served two children, two children, who were poverty children. Two, one, two. And what happened to the seven hundred and or the nine hundred and ninety eight children that didn't get any services? They just didn't get anything. Because it's okay here. It's okay here to farm poverty, to go after people, just like in Ferguson, how all those tickets and police pullovers and everything were done in the black community. And black black people were just inundated by fines that they could not afford to pay. I remember getting one ticket in my life, and it was fair to come to a complete stop in Sacramento, California. And it was in Elk Grove. And it was done by a photo... It was done by, you know, the cameras. And I remember pulling up on the intersection. It was clear. There was nobody there. And as I pulled up, the light flashed. And I said, dang, did I get a ticket? I was on my way to a meeting. And I said, well, I didn't want to think about it right then. I said, it happened already. The light flashed. So I just kept going. Well, guess what? I was told that if I had stopped at, at that time when the, when the light flashed, if I had come to a complete stop then, I wouldn't have gotten that ticket. But for that ticket, it was a fine of, I want to say, I had to pay 200 and something dollars. And I had to do community service 
for that ticket. And it went on my record and I had to pay uh, additional insurance because it gave me a point on my tax, on my, uh, my insurance. How did that happen? It doesn't really matter because somebody sat down and thought about all the penalties that would go for coming to a com- failure to come to a complete soft stop, even if it had nothing to do with public safety. And when I decided that I wanted to say something about it and I wanted to write to it, this, uh, what is it? I wanted to write to the insurance commission in California, but I had moved to Sacramento. Uh, I couldn't get through. I mean, they wouldn't let me email them. I mean, you have to understand this thing about the network and, and the internet and how when Obama was running for office, I was trying to email my Congress members because I had the email, but my emails were being blocked. Oh, yeah. They've been doing this stuff for a long time, and I know what they do. That's how come I'm talking to you and still talking to you. And also, I have to tell you what else they were able to do. I was attending a, a meeting at the NAACP here in Nevada, and I was recording it. And my e- my recorded video was altered, and my device said, and it was it was an Apple device. It was a new device. It said it had created, it had done an illegal action, and that video was altered, and the attorney general was cut out of it, and parts of it was just cut out, and not saved on my device. Is that? I mean, you know, do we live in America? I realize that perhaps. This is the part of America that's really not America. Because here in Las Vegas, where they have the fifth largest school district and the entertainment capital of the world, and Diana Ross and B.B. King and Bobby Blue Bland and all the great, greatest entertainers performed on the strip here in Nevada and paid taxes duly to the federal government. So black people have been paying taxes in America. And guess what? The black children here <laughs> drop out of school. The black children here have little or no opportunity except for the children who whose people, whose families, you know, migrate here like me. I'm a migrant. I'm a plant. But then they have people here who sit in positions of elected officials, positions, And they've been given lots of authority and also given money to run programs so they feel like they're doing something for their people, even when they may be only hurting their people, simply by not enforcing the real rules and regulations and the requirements under Title I and the requirements under IDEA, special education and maintenance and and, and monitoring and ensuring that access happens for all people. It ain't happening here. Help yourself. What should I say? I don't know what to say anymore. Truly. I really wish I knew what to say. And I don't. So, i.e., I started doing my podcast. And I had always been doing videos. And recording what I witnessed in the public. Because no other blacks were in the room when I was in the room. And if I didn't document it by a video, how could I even say it was true? (laughs) It's true. And if we don't understand that public education is a modification of behavior, and that's the intent of it, what are we really saying to ourselves? 
as Americans. I don't know. And if you don't understand that network management is truly network management, and that even if you buy the device, you don't own it. Even if you buy the program, you don't own it. Once you put it on the internet, it basically you become a part of the herd or the part of the crowd or whatever, and policies are applied to you and you're in a group. And then your programs are allowed to work in a manner, and it could be even limited. It could be limited. You wouldn't know if you never experienced how the program should have operated in the first place. And that's just real. You don't know what you don't know. And you only know what you do know. But you only know what you know by your willingness to live up to your trials and tribulations, your choices in life. And it's we're all living by choices because we have a responsibility, an obligation. That choice is everything. Because you didn't have to choose to be with that woman. Or you didn't have to choose to be with that man. And then you didn't have to choose to have that ch- child. But then you made a choice and kept it. But if you had a choice and got rid of it, then people are looking at you too. I mean, you know, everything. We live by our choices. And I can't guarantee you that everything will be all right. Because we do have choices. And we have to make the best choices. Therefore, we have to be well-informed. And being well-informed, know that this is the information age. And we are sitting on the information highway. And if you're listening to me now, it's the information highway. And truly, 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 you will make a pathway for yourself by not pretending that you have that you have no choice in the manner, that you can change things, and understanding that you only know what you know. And that if we don't choose to stand up and demand accountability, then accountability will never happen because this accountability thing is a nationwide issue. And just as Stacey Abrams was able to engage the black people or the ADOS or whatever you want to live, well, however you want to identify yourself, the American people who had never voted in the South woke up and figured out that they could make a difference and they did. Now just understand what's getting ready to happen because, you know, it was Reverend Warnock who won the election in Georgia. And guess what? It was the women's basketball team, the black women basketball team, who decided to want to, they want to have a candidate that would represent their interests and their, you know, their beliefs. And that's what you have to have. You have people, you have to have people who represent your interests and beliefs. But not only that, it's critical that nonprofit organizations operate on empowering local community members. They can't continue to do what they've been doing like doing presentations. I don't need anyone to give me a presentation about how it works when they don't know how it works themselves. And that's just real. And I know that they don't know how it works because if they did, they could make a difference. And if you're not making a difference today in 2021, that means you don't know what you're doing. And perhaps you need to think a different way and try a different way because, you know, you can only try trials and tribulations. That's what life is all about, trials and tribulations. 
And if it's not working for you, then you need to try a different way. It's not working for a lot of people. Native Americans say they're America's first citizens. No, they are Native Americans. And they are the Americans that were here before America happened. And, you know, as they are allowed to have casinos and so many of them are being successful in America, perhaps they should learn to organize like the Hmong and the Mian and the Cambodian nations. I mean, Mai Vang, who won the city council seat, first won the local school board seat. And just because you're able to organize and empower yourself through city council and school boards, I mean, if the people are there not, they're not holding you accountable, it doesn't bring about the changes. I mean, we really have to have people who understand what it should like, look like, understand how to measure the impact of change, talk about the impact of change, talk about failure, talk about opportunity, but the opportunity really has to be there. It can be what it's been. And quite frankly, I don't know what it's been, but I could care less if people give me permission to talk about what I see as failed services or not. I don't need permission because the only, I've been given permission by the highest uh, person in the universe. I have life and I was given life to be able to enjoy my journey and I am enjoying my journey. But I would say that if we were all working towards enjoying a good life, you know, it would be a good life that we would be working towards. It would be understanding that, you know, perhaps Nipsey Hussle was right. He was bringing so much opportunity to young black people and the young black community members. He made a lot of people nervous and people get nervous when you can make a difference. Do you understand that? Because it changes what you, what was. It changes what was, even if it wasn't working. And too bad that it changes what was, because what was was not working. And it's just wonderful that we've been given all these tools to help empower ourselves to understand that hopelessness, hopelessness, hopelessness is not where we live. And understand, you know, I had speech because she sells seashells down by the seashore was difficult for me. Or Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers. A peck of pickled peppers. Peter Piper picked. If Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, where is the peck of pickled peppers that Peter Piper picked? But guess what? It was difficult to say those things for a long time to understand that the placement of my tongue was critical to the movement of my lips. But guess what? Children are graded down for not having the right enunciation of words. And if you don't understand that we all operate under the King's English, and if you cannot communicate effectively, you cannot bring about change. So therefore, effective communication is what I learned how to do in two minutes or less. As I attended all the wonderful board meetings in Sacramento, California, but I can say something about the board meetings here. These people talk about their personal issues and their personal journey and their personal desires. And it's not about you. And they are not measuring the maintenance of effort that it would take to ensure that 
services are happening for all people and they do not have any information about the program designs and how services are being allocated but what they do do is allocate money out the door and they think the blue is in blue so hmm, I don't know what to say anymore it is one of the major reasons why I start doing the podcast even if you live up there in Summerlin or you live in there in Anthem or no matter where you live in Las Vegas No matter where you live in America, no matter where we are in our journey, if we have children and we have families, this system of public service sector is not something that operates independently without oversight. And understand me when I say that Lauren Hill paid $2.3 million in back taxes that it affected her. But where was the black community? Because I never had a chance to even know that that was going on when it went down. And she also wore an ankle monitor, was on home arrest, and had maybe even did some jail time, just like Wesley Snipes, just like most black people who have to pay taxes. And just like Nipsey said, $100,000 in taxes was nothing. Okay. Because he realized too. So until we meet again, I'll say 29 minutes, got to sign off. Follow me, like me, and subscribe on Anchor. Follow me on every other platform, but educate yourself. I'm not sure if you're aware that the new Ed data came out and it talks about where African Americans are suspended or expelled or the behavior. And, you know, there's a lot of data there on Ed data. And it really talks about the ability to achieve in Sac City for African-American children. And because I've been coming so long, I feel that we live under a republic. And under a republic, it doesn't mean that you have to have a whole group of people and like in a democracy coming behind you and, and pointing out an issue. The issue here is African-American children have, should have, and the parents should be concerned about what's happening with their subgroup of children. And I'm concerned because I've been coming for a long time, saying the same thing and getting this resistance like it's not really relevant, but it is relevant. It's relevant to the community I represent. Even though I'm not elected to represent them, I am a member of the community and I am a person of interest. I've volunteered my time in this district and I don't know how to further communicate that the board should have a workshop on what's happening to African-American children in their district in regards to suspensions, expulsions, and and in regards to the inability for them to achieve, you know, past the 50th percentile. A lot of kids are not achieving. I'm so grateful my young one did graduate above proficient and he is autistic. But that lets me know that if you have the right skills to advocate, you can advocate and things can happen positive. So I don't know, this is a new school year. I don't know what the plans are for this, for the board to address the issues for the failure rate of African-Americans and the dropout rate and across the board, the inability for African-American children to be as successful as their counterparts. But I think it is something that needs to be addressed. And I'm hoping that this year the board will address it. Thank you. Thank you. The Williams Act, because the governing board has not adopted curriculum and what that looks like for children in special ed is common core, but it doesn't talk about how to get there. 
So I know that books are not being purchased at all the school sites. So I don't know, I have not seen the actual report of where children don't have books because I know that parents have complained about no books. So I don't know how closely this district is following Williams. Number one for number E. And for F is approve a course of study for integrated math units. So is that for all students or just for some students? Because it's really not clear because of the way that the district has children placed in mild to moderate doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have the ability to do that coursework. Just means that perhaps they may not have access to the general curriculum or the state standards for their age. And it's really getting really kind of confusing because if the district is working towards separate and unequal, that's crazy because we're going into isolate and separate environments. And there is no way that children will be able to get caught up if they're not having access to grade level curriculum. And so asking the governing board how this all works at the local school sites is kind of crazy because it doesn't work. And I understand what the advocacy means in advocating for one child, but I can't, it's impossible because the DAC doesn't exist anymore and there's no other real parent groups that exist to have a conversation about what the district is actually doing. And so as parents, parents really don't know. They don't know what to expect when they go to the school site and there's no books for their children. And then if they have IEPs, those goals are written under common core standards, which mean absolutely nothing to any of those parents. And so, because it's not working towards grade level student achievement. And so, it's the governing board's responsibility to ensure that we're educating children. And I don't know how we do that if we're not having grade level curriculum for all kids. Thank you. I'm not sure if yeah, you're aware that the new ed data came out and it talks about where African-Americans are suspended or expelled or the behavior and you know, there's a lot of data there on ed data, and it really talks about the ability to achieve in Sac City for African-American children. And because I've been coming so long, I feel that we live under a republic. And under a republic, it doesn't mean that you have to have a whole group of people and like in a democracy coming behind you and, and pointing out an issue. The issue here is African-American children have should have and the parents should be concerned about what's happening with their subgroup of children. And I'm concerned because I've been coming for a long time, stating the same thing and getting this resistance like it's not really relevant, but it is relevant. It's relevant to the community I represent. Even though I'm not elected to represent them, I am a member of the community and I am a person of interest. I've volunteered my time in this district and I don't know how to further communicate that the board should have a workshop on what's happening to African-American children in their district in regards to suspensions, expulsions, and in regards to the inability for them to achieve, you know, past the 50th percentile. A lot of kids are not achieving. I'm so grateful my young one did graduate but proficient and he is autistic but 
that lets me know that if you have the right skills to advocate, you can advocate and things can happen positive. So I don't know, this is a new school year. I don't know what the plans are for this, for the board to address the issues for the failure rate of African-Americans and the dropout rate and across the board, the inability for African-American children to be as successful as their counterparts. But I think it is something that needs to be addressed. And I'm hoping that this year the board will address it. Thank you. Thank you. Darlene Anderson. I don't know how it actually works, but you know, I've lived in the South area for a long time. And when they chose to close Freeport Elementary School, I thought, well, Edward Kimball and Susan Chavez really have a lot of students, a lot of students at times. And the impact on the K-3 and the impact on the 4-6 is a real issue because of the number of kids who are in that environment and they're all poverty kids, but they closed Freeport. Now, Freeport had mostly bilingual students at one time and there was just a, such a small number of students when they closed it. But now you're moving the buildings from Freeport and, you know, when we went to schools by area, we went to school by area so that by area, community members could come up and speak their concerns. I wondered what was going on with Freeport. But to understand that they took the buildings and took them over there to the more affluent area, it's really disturbing to me because they have not done work over there at Edward Kimball and Cesar Chavez. And that scope of how they educate those children has not changed. And the failure rate coming out of that area has not changed. And so it's really kind of infuriating to me to be living in that area and paying taxes to understand that they would take a building and move it to a more affluent area where people have money and people come out and advocate for their children. When they don't come out and out, you don't see people in here from Edward Kimball and Cesar Chavez. You really don't. But the failure rate is atrocious. The failure rate for minority kids and children of color in this district is frightening because we're only building the prison population. And I come all the time so I can say, board members, can you look and see how we can achieve some equity and how all children can access resources and kids can come to school and be happy. You know, I made happiness for my children, but it was a struggle. They wonder how come I was always coming to beat up on the district, but I really wasn't. I was coming to ensure that they would have an opportunity in life. Now, it would seem to me that the board would take that responsibility and choose to advocate for children who are not doing well in this district. But that doesn't seem to change the more I come. The more I come is the more defensive the district gets. And all I'm saying is, is that when the larger numbers start to appear and African-American and children of color, Hispanics and other children of color are not doing well, what will this district actually choose to do? Continue to work on the buildings. And so I'm saying that when you start to think through things, understand how people will actually see them. And I see it as an horrendous thing to take a building where children could have gone to school, where you could have redrew the boundaries and, and provided more equitable services when we have schools that have less than 300 kids and schools that have 1,200. Thank you. Thank yes, you. Member Rodriguez.